0: This week we look back at all the action of the Australian Formula 1 Grand Prix on Inside Motorsport, I hope you stay with us. Joining us this week from Checkered Flag and Veracity Media, it's Lachlan Mansell, and for the first time we're trying something different here, of course, the baron of open wheel racing in Australia, of course, Formula 3 director and a Channel 10 commentator, it's all Richard Crail, uh, good evening, guys, it's great to have you on Inside Motorsport. Hey,
1: guys, good evening. Good evening, Craig.
0: Stay on. The Australian Formula 1 Grand Prix, probably one of the most exciting we've seen in the last potentially ten years where we saw the new cars for twenty thirteen out there and whilst we all expected one thing after Saturday's or oh, sorry, after Sunday mornings qualifying with Red Bull on the front row, we got something even better, Richard, when we got to the race time.
2: Yeah, the thing I love about Formula One is its power to surprise and be unpredictable and especially after so many years of predictability with Michael Schumacher winning everything. And last weekend was no exception, and I know the talk in the paddock after qualifying was, well, I mean, let's go home, Red Bull are going to finish 1-2 and drive away into the distance. They've got massive more pace than anybody else. But it didn't turn out to be that way, and I think the slightly cooler conditions helped. But the Red Bulls on one lap are great. Over a race distance, not so much, and that bodes really well for the remainder of the season because... We all know Pirelli are bringing a a more aggressive brand of tyre to their races this year, so they're going to be more aggressive on tyre degradation. And the cars that look after their rubber better are going to be the ones that succeed. And certainly, it seems that um, that Lotus at the moment are the best of the bunch. And how good was Kimi Raikkonen's drive in the early stages? Probably didn't look that much of a contender. He sort of seemed to be a fifth place car at best, but. When he needed to, the guy was as good as he always is And um, was able to get the job done One pit stop less saved him 20 seconds And um, yeah, good stuff Kimi and wins And bodes well for the season when it starts that well
0: And Lockie uh, In uh, 2012 He was in Abu Dhabi And he told his engineers You can shut up, I know what I'm doing He certainly knew what he was doing this weekend
1: yeah, and as Richard said in the in the first stint, he he didn't probably look all that competitive, but it was really the second stint where he went longer on the the medium compound or the prime tyre than everybody else. That was the that was the section of the race where he uh, got himself onto what basically turned out to be a winning strategy. But yes, it, it was unpredictable, and in some respects, probably a bit of a surprise that it was so unpredictable because. There haven't been all that many changes to the technical regulations in Formula 1 compared to last year. Yes, there's been some subtle things with the double DRS gone and and DRS restricted to uh, only the DRS zones now during practice and qualifying. But apart from that... The regulations are actually fairly small to last year, so a lot of people were expecting that the teams that got on top of their cars at the end of last year, which was obviously Red Bull, were going to carry that form into this year, but as it turns out Red Bull, as Crayley mentioned, quick over one lap, but not so quick over the race distance, and and some of the other cars below us, and also I thought the Mercedes did a pretty good job too, were better at managing their tyres particularly the the super soft tyres, which showed extremely high levels of degradation. I think Jensen Button in McLaren came in after only three laps. So those super soft tyres, maybe not so good on the Albert Park circuit, but I reckon they'll be very good once we get to the tracks like Monaco, for example,
0: where overtaking is more difficult. Now, here's what Kimmy had to say at the end of the race. Um, I had doubts because, of course, it's the first race, so you don't really know how it's going to go, how the tyres will be. I didn't do any long runs in the winter, really. So, um, But I knew that I have a good car, so um, I had a kind of feeling that it's going to be a good race, but uh, you have to get through the first, first laps and uh, then go from there. Well, for the Tifosi... They were out in force, and Fernando has given them real hope with that podium position. And, of course, Felipe Massa up there again and just showing that he's not a spent force in Formula 1 yet.
1: Good to see that Ferrari is so much more competitive at the beginning of this season than they were at the beginning of last season. We saw last year that Fernando Alonso took an absolute dog of the car and somehow, through his absolute driving brilliance, kept himself in contention for the championship right to the last round. This year, Ferrari's got a much better car, as demonstrated in Albert Park, and that shows that Fernando Alonso is uh, is definitely going to be a contender once again. And good to see Felipe Massa being a lot more competitive this year as well and and showing that he really can be a, uh, a valuable number two driver to support Fernando Alonso when
0: he needs it. If I can mix a metaphor here, Ferrari really are the HRT of uh, Formula One, and when they're doing well, you know the series is doing well, Crayley.
2: Yeah, true that. And, I mean, Fernando Alonso continues to be the most complete driver on the grid, doesn't he? And and Martin Bundle was saying that to Greg Rust on our set on the weekend, that that he, he continues to operate at a very, very high level and one that, is probably the best of any driver in Formula 1 and therefore anyone in the world. And I, I still think he has to be favourite. And, and I think he's more favourite for the World Championship now than he was before the start of the league. And I know he was the odds-on favourite in sports betting agencies doing the title. Um, but I think now we've seen where the Red Bulls are at after one race and that their race pace is not going to be as good, perhaps, as we all expected it to be. Fernando just has to come into more favouritism. um And he lost the race by 7.8 seconds uh, despite making one pit stop, so 25 seconds' worth of time, uh, more than Timmy Räikkönen. So he's got the speed, the car's quick, it looks pretty consistent. It's probably on odds the second-best car on its tyres, I would have have thought, given both cars were pretty good over the weekend. Um, And they've started with a much better car than what they had last season, and Ferrari proved last year that they can develop and they can make A car over the course of the season progressively better, like McLaren is so famous for doing. And um, yeah, bodes well. I think Fernando has to be favourite. I don't think there's any doubt. But as Lockie said, everyone's more closer now than they've ever been in Formula One. And there's still those those big four teams, and we have to put McLaren to the side for the moment. That can still win just about any race. But what it does is it amplifies the mistakes. You make a tiny little mistake, and it costs you more than it ever has because now the
0: margins between the teams are so much smaller than they've ever been. Mm. Well, here's what Fernando, and as we mentioned, Sebastian Vettel, who finished third, had to say after the race. Big thanks to the to the fans all weekend. We uh, feel sad yesterday when uh, we postponed the, the qualifying for today because they were on the grandstand with the rain, with the windy conditions, and at the end we didn't run. So today we had to put a good show for everybody, and I think we did it because the race was uh, uh, action uh, every lap, and uh, I personally enjoy, obviously it was um, at the end a little bit sad not to to be able to win the race, but uh, Kimi was fantastic today, the Lotus car as well, and uh, we need to congratulate them for the fantastic race.
1: First of all we can be happy with today, obviously uh, we wanted more. Clearly when you start from pole you want uh, to win as well, but uh, I think we could see after a very good start uh, good first two or three laps that uh, the tyres were falling apart and we couldn't go as long as other people. So, uh, congratulations to Lotus and especially to Kimi. I think they did the best job today.
0: Guys, moving to the Australians, and uh, do we just put too much expectation and too much pressure on Mark Webber and Daniel Ricciardo? And, uh, or is it just a case of mechanically they just have bad luck? Richard? Um, too
2: much expectation too much expectation, but it's the same for every driver at their home Grand Prix, I mean it's such a big thing, there's 2 million people watching on TV, there's 120,000 people at the track, and 90% of them want one driver to win, and as Weber said at the weekend, Seb Vettel never won the German Grand Prix, Jensen Button hasn't won the British Grand Prix, they've all won each other's races, Um, so much pressure, so much expectation, but I don't think it makes the disappointment of them not winning more for the driver, but it does for the fans, and it probably just amplifies the um, the disappointment for all the people that that watch on TV and read the papers. Um, But what I don't understand is how Red Bull, with 550 people working on two racing cars, have not worked out why Mark Webber's car doesn't get off the line as well as Sebastian Vettel's. And I don't understand how they cannot have worked it out after two and a half years of bad starts. Um, because the starting process of a Formula 1 car is not particularly rocket science. So what is behind the scenes, but what the driver's got to do isn't particularly difficult. Um, it cannot be Mark Webber. I don't think, as a guy who's won nine Grand Prix and won the Monaco Grand Prix twice, his reaction times are that bad. Um There's got to be something else, and it baffles me that they
0: haven't been able to work out what on earth it is. Mm. And, Lachie, it's not as if Sebastian Vettel's starts are sensational. You often see him getting not run into, but run over into the first turn. So it is a problem with both of those cars. It just seems to be amplified in marks
1: although I have to say that it does seem that whenever there's mechanical problems or, or curves failures or those sorts of things, they seem to happen to Mark Webber's car more than they happen to Sebastian Vettel's car. And I was reading that Mark Webber did indeed have a curve problem at the start of the Grand Prix, so that would have contributed to his poor start. And we haven't talked about Daniel Ricciardo yet either, but uh, those Toro Rossos are, are not really... I mean, both um, Ricciardo and, and John Eric Vernon did a very, very good job in the wet weather qualifying session on Saturday, but they weren't able to replicate that form in the dry, which just sort of demonstrates, doesn't it, that as good as the drivers might be at maximising their cars, the car just um, isn't on the pace compared to the rest of the front runners at the moment. So you get the feeling that it might be a long season. Daniel Ricciardo, and as we've seen in the past, Toro Rosso can be pretty unsympathetic when it comes to giving their drivers second and third chances. So I just hope that for Daniel Ricciardo's sake it won't be the last time that we see him racing in Formula 1 at the Australian
2: Grand Prix.
0: Mm. Well guys always a pleasure to catch up with you and in fact our sister show V8 Insiders is looking forward to you joining us for that one as well this week.
2: Thanks guys yeah plenty to talk about in V8 land so that should be a uh... An interesting discussion. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, always a pleasure to be on, Crane. Thanks for having me.
0: That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.